0: Sometimes it's interesting to to drop in on the very end of a book, to open it backwards and see what's at the end and just catch that last couple of paragraphs. See where it all finishes up. It's like, you know, uh, well, well, this must be the punchline. This is, this is where the whole thing was headed. And we do that today. We drop in on the very end of Luke's Gospel today. We open it at the back uh, and turn to the very end in chapter 24 and in verses 44 to 53. We're going to map our way through these last 10 verses of Luke and think in particular about what Jesus says here at this end of Luke's Gospel. This is the risen Jesus, by the way, at this end of the Gospel, of course. He has suffered, he has died, he has been buried, but so too he has risen again from the grave. And he's helping his disciples come to terms with all of that. As we jump into the text in verse 44, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. When Jesus says there, the Law and the Prophets and the Psalms, he's talking about the Hebrew Scriptures, or what you and I would call in in our Bible, the Old Testament. The Law of Moses... Uh, is a way of referring to the first five books of the Bible, the the Torah or Law. The Prophets is quite a broad category in the Hebrew way of arranging Scripture. And, And in the Hebrew Scripture arrangement, it includes books like Joshua and Samuel and Kings, as well as the ones that we would probably think of as prophets, like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Jonah. And the Psalms is, well, that's Hebrew shorthand for what they otherwise call the writings section of their scriptures. It includes Psalms, but it also includes uh, books like Proverbs, Song of Songs, the Law, the Prophets, and the Psalms. I mean, we just look at the whole thing and think Old Testament, but the Hebrews had it all divided into those three distinct sections, Law, Prophets, Psalms. And so what Jesus is saying there in Luke 24, verse 44, is that the Old Testament Scriptures had all been pointing to him. Everything written about me in the Old Testament must be fulfilled. Jesus declares himself to be the focus of Scripture. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Verse 45. And then again, he says that he himself was what the Old Testament was pointing to. Verse 46, he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. This is not just the punchline of the Gospel of Luke. This is the punchline of the whole Bible according to Jesus. Jesus is the punchline. He is the point of it all. And he tells us two epic things about himself in that regard here. First of all, in verse 46, it was written that the Christ would suffer, die, and rise from the dead. It was written. The common perception out there on the streets is that Jesus' death was some kind of mistake or tragedy, and that his resurrection was a hoax or a mass delusion or something. And people can think those things if they want to think those things, but that won't change the fact that this suffering and death and resurrection of the Christ were written into the Old Testament Scriptures long beforehand as the promise of God. Those things were precisely what God's people were waiting for if they knew their scriptures. The suffering, death and resurrection of the Christ. And as Jesus stands there explaining that much to his disciples according to these New Testament Gospels by Matthew, Mark, Luke and John he is standing there and explaining it on the back of having just done exactly that. He suffered He died and he rose again, just as it had been written that he would do. You are witnesses of these things, he says to them in verse 48. So if you're willing to receive this truth, then you need to understand that this is no tragedy and nor any delusion. This is the definite plan of God for the Christ. In fact, if we hear Jesus properly here, this is the very climax of God's plan as promised through the whole Old Testament. And we hope to keep visiting Jesus's claim here in in more detail as this series continues from from different angles and from different texts in the t- in the scriptures. But today I thought uh, if we focus ourselves here in Luke 24, it might be uh, good for us to give most of our time today to the second part of his claim in verse 47 where he says that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from jerusalem we need to hear those two key words and and think about those two key words in what he says in that part of the claim what is repentance and what must we know and understand about the forgiveness part? And what do those two things have to do with the name of Jesus? Well, let's start with repentance, because we probably tend to gloss over that one more than the other in our modern culture. We probably think of repentance in our modern culture in, in terms, I guess, mostly of our remorse and and regret, even our confession of our sin. We regret in our heart that we have done wrong and, and we confess with our mouth that we have done wrong. But there's a bit more depth to repentance because we also commit to change, don't we? Change. On the one hand, we determine that we're going to turn away from our wrong way of living and doing things. And, and on the other hand, and, and hand in hand with that, we determine that we're going to turn to God. We're going to turn to God and, and ask him for help and forgiveness and, and trust his way of living. Literally, we might think of repentance in exactly that way. We change We change, we turn, turn away from sin and turn back to God. And as part of that change and that turning, we we confess our sin and all because God has led us to have remorse over our sin. A great example in the Bible, the scriptures that Jesus refers to here that help us to see this nature of repentance can be found in psalm fifty one It's a really good example of what repentance you know looks like. Let me read some of psalm fifty one to you because it captures the scope and the depth of repentance and and the fundamental need for repentance that God has called us all to. I'll read a little bit of psalm fifty one and as I read, see if you can hear those different elements that depth of of repentance the the remorse the confession. And the commitment to turn from sin and and turn to God. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And my mouth will declare your praise. That is repentance. Remorse and confession. And turning from our sin and turning to God. Pleading with him for mercy because we have sinned. And we want to live and proclaim his ways now. Jesus stands there in Luke 24, calling all of the world to that. Repentance. And if you think about it just a little bit, you'll, you'll already know exactly why repentance is needed, just from your everyday social context. When you, th- when you wrong one of your friends, let's say, you know why repentance is needed when you wrong one of your friends, right? Because what you have done has damaged your relationship with that person. And until you repent, the relationship is going to stay broken, isn't it? It's the same way with God. He calls us to repent because our sin has broken our relationship with him. And until we repent of our sin, we're only compounding the hurt that we've caused him. That psalm, Psalm 51, captures the relational aspect of our sin and repentance too, if you if you want to reflect on it again later. The default human situation is this: the relationship between us and God has been damaged by our sin against him. But by way of repentance, there can be forgiveness and restoration. The relationship will be restored all the other things we might spend our time on trying to fix the relationship don't even register and you'll see that too if you read the rest of the psalm later on everything we might try to try to do instead of repenting to try to fix this broken relationship you won't even register what's called for is repentance And that's not just our problem, brothers and sisters. It's the problem of all humankind. And so repentance is a fundamental call to us all through those scriptures that Jesus is talking about. And so it's no curious thing that Jesus is standing there and proclaiming it in Luke 24 as such a key part of the message to take to every nation on earth. We often present the Christian gospel in shorthand. Come to Jesus, we say. Trust in Jesus, we say. True and true, but but for for a bit more depth and, and clarity, just let me flesh out those shorthand ways of saying this. God requires all people everywhere to repent, to turn from their sin and turn to him. Or as Jesus puts it here in our text in Luke 24, Repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Which brings us to forgiveness, because the two things go together. And again, in our modern cultural context, we don't think deeply enough on forgiveness either. We know that God is forgiving, or at least we assume that much. People on the street can tell you that much, that that God is surely forgiving. And that's very true. That's very true. Just about anyone on the street would probably be able to tell you that if, if God were any kind of God, he would understand our human nature and he would be merciful enough to just forgive our sins. And the funny thing is, they're more or less right about that. It's just that they haven't gone deep enough. You see, God is a merciful God. God does understand our situation and God does freely forgive our sins. But there's a couple of key things deeper down at the heart of that. First of all, forgiveness flows by way of repentance. Very often, I think, when people uh, reflect on this word too shallowly, forgiveness, what, what they mean is that they want God to just forgive them without them having to change. Without them having to turn from sin or turn to God, they want him to just forgive them. They want to keep pursuing sin at the expense of having any kind of relationship with God and just have him forgive them, if it ever does come to needing that. And second of all, I think people uh, take forgiveness too shallowly because they don't realize how merciful God is. God is actually more merciful than they understand. Because God doesn't just forgive our sin in a, ah, forget about it, kind of way. That's how you and I might forgive people. But that's not how this holy, holy, holy God forgives people. Precisely because God is so holy, that in his holiness he must make an accounting for our sin. Somehow he must account for our sin, if he just brushed it off, if he just swept our sin under the carpet, then God would actually be corrupt when it comes to sin. Dodgy when it comes to sin. He would be, you know, flaky about sin. But he's not. And he can't be. God is holy. And when he forgives... He forgives in perfect righteousness. So when God forgives, he must do so without compromising his righteousness against sin. And so this is the mechanism as to how God does that, how he carries out his perfect justice against our sin and yet shows perfect mercy to forgive us our sin. He carries the justice himself he carries the justice himself in other words he transfers our sin penalty to him is no longer charged to us but paid for by him that's why Christ suffered and died As Jesus just flagged in part one of this message, in verse 46, that was this payment that God made for us that we're talking about. This is the gospel. Forgiveness now can flow from our holy God because he has righteously accounted for our sin in this way. There is nothing dodgy going on in the gospel of God. God is not unjust. He provided this mechanism in the Christ to enable his forgiveness to flow to us in perfect righteousness. So the two parts are linked together. The first is the mechanism, Christ's death and resurrection, by which the second comes about. The call to a repentance that leads to forgiveness in his name. And I think the disciples More or less got that about Jesus, if we catch verse 52. And they worshipped him, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple, blessing God. So what do you and I make of these things, that seem to be so central to the Bible's promises, according to Jesus? well, there's actually not much to it. In fact, all I need do is tell you again what Jesus has declared here. Jesus says to you, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. With the weight and testimony of the the whole Old Testament scriptures behind him. Jesus declares that he came to purchase your forgiveness. He died for you, verse 46. And so your sins may be forgiven, verse 47. In his name. We're right at the heart of salvation here in this text. By God's promise all through this Bible, here we are right at the heart of salvation. And right away we have to see... Salvation is not for those who do good and get everything right in life. Salvation is for sinners. Salvation is for sinners. It's for those who have sinned and need to repent and receive forgiveness. It's not for good people who never put a foot wrong. See, we often use this shorthand word too, salvation. But what do we even mean by that? What does salvation even mean? Well, it's what we're looking at right here in Luke 24. As Jesus brings the whole Bible to this crystallized message, salvation is about repentance and forgiveness. So if you have sin weighing down on your heart, then take heart, because this gospel of salvation is for you. Come to the Lord in repentance and have forgiveness in Jesus' name. Understand that the repentance part of this equation here needs you to have sin. So don't feel as if this is somehow beyond reach because of your sin. It's within reach because of your sin. Salvation can only be found in repentance by sinners. So confess your sin. Repent and turn back to God and have forgiveness in Jesus' name. And if you have done that, and if you continue to do that in this posture of repentance that we see in places like Psalm 51, then, then understand the forgiveness side of this. Let go of those feelings of doubt that nag at your heart. Christ is standing here in Luke 24 telling you that he died for this forgiveness that you need. Is that not enough? That Christ died to secure this forgiveness? Jesus stands there and proclaims it to you right here in our text. Forgiveness is yours. In his name, it is yours. And it's a genuine and righteous forgiveness that has been paid for you by our Savior God. This is the way. Of salvation, By the law and the prophets and the Psalms, this was always God's plan and his promise for sinners like me and you. Christ died for our sins. So repent and be forgiven in Jesus' name. Beyond that, I guess, our first response is probably spelt out at the end of our text. Look again at these disciples in verse 52. They worshipped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they were continually in the temple blessing God. Might we find the same kind of joy and worship and praise to the glory of God our Saviour. And let me pray. Heavenly Father we Thank you for this text in front of us in Luke 24. We thank you for all of your scriptures that speak towards what Jesus is telling us here in Luke 24. Thank you for this gospel where Christ has suffered and died for our sin. Father, teach us more and more to take hold of repentance. Teach us to repent of our sin And trust in that payment that Christ made for us. Teach us a deep repentance, Lord, that washes through our whole life. And through that, Father, help us to take hold of this forgiveness that Jesus proclaims here. Help us to have a a deep sense of forgiveness in our lives, Lord, because you have granted this to us. You have done this for us. So help us to repent and to know that we are forgiven in Jesus' name. And we praise you for everything that you have done and continue to do in his name. Amen.